Hello and welcome to Creative Weirdos. This is a show where I talk to new and old friends about creative and weird stuff. And today, I'm so excited to have my good friend Jordan Heath return to the show. We talk about tons of fun stuff, uh, mainly focusing around Jordan's new book that he's been working on. I'm always fascinated by people who can sit down and write full books and and utilize that side of the creative life because I'm so uh, it's so foreign to me. I work so much in the visual that the the written and the language side of things has always uh, kind of mystified me and I love getting into this process with Jordan and we talk about tons of other weird stuff of course. Jordan has a wonderful podcast called Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling that I'm sure you all know about but if not go check it out and check out all of Jordan's links below. Keep up with what he's doing and uh, keep up with what's going on with this new book that he's working on and will be coming out soon. I'm so excited to share this weird conversation with y'all and I hope you enjoy it. I got plenty more coming for you and thank you for sticking around and listening to all of these. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Luckily, he has next Tuesday free, so we just shifted it to next Tuesday. Yeah, it's all good. Awesome. That's good. That's good. Jeff's a good dude. I haven't talked to him since he had his new baby. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to talk about that. That's awesome. uh, The differences. Yeah. (laughs) Having two versus having one. Yeah. Versus having... Wait, you have four... Five. Man, I'm sorry. I feel like I always cut one off for you. Well, two of them are twins, so it's easy. It's four four births. Five Don't let them hear that. Right. <laughs> I imagine they'd take offense to that type of thing at this yeah, point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. That, that's awesome. Dude, well, I had a blast on your podcast the other day and had gotten some really nice feedback from it so thank awesome. you again for Good. uh for having me on and just having that conversation was super yeah. super fun and the one thing that i didn't get to talk to you about too much or we didn't get to talk about because obviously we're uh we're doing it the opposite way this time was the new book you've been working on and i think we touched on it briefly but it was something that i you know i'm super interested in i talked to you I think you were the first or second creative weirdos that I ever did. So at that point, I had talked to you mainly through the lens of the podcast you were doing and your yeah. kind of experience with uh, hi- historical research and that type of stuff. So now I'm really stoked to talk to you about writing in this oh, new, yeah. fo- like writing a full book and like a, something that seems to be completely different from the stuff you've written before. So yeah, you want to just start with telling us what the book's about a little bit and like where this project came from. Sure. Sure. Um, the, so the, the impetus for the book is started out as sort of a, a way of, this might sound like a little cold, but like a way of capitalizing on, on the podcast. So the idea was we were going to take the stories from the first year of the podcast and release a book of short stories right? Mm -hmm. Basically 
Like, um, you know, we do 15 to 20 minute long stories at the beginning of every episode and just taking those campfire stories and uh, releasing them in book form. But it, it's kind of grown from there. Um, the idea of sort of a through line came in, you know, so there you, you'll have the stories. If you're, if you're a listener of the show, if you've heard the first year of episodes, you will recognize the stories, but there are sections that connect the first story to the second story to the third story. There's, you know, you'll have a, a few pages of sort of, sort of almost uh, mimicking the debrief se- section of our podcast where we That's break awesome. down what we've, you know, what the story we just listened to. But it's because, you know, I, I'm a musician. I grew up writing songs. So I think of these sections as transitions, yeah. right? So when you write a transition, when you're going from like, from a verse to a to a chorus you have to write a section of the song the transition that is almost like a an adapter that mm. fits the verse on on one end and fits the chorus on the other end right yeah absolutely um, so that's what these little sections between each story of the book are that's awesome. And do you get to, are you guys doing them together? Are you doing it by yourself as far as writing those little inner, or I guess uh, transition parts? Yeah, we're doing it together. That's so, so cool. Um, for instance, the very first story is the wolf girl of devil's river. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the very first episode we ever did. Um, and I write the transition going from my coverage of the wolf girl of devil's river and leading into Ryan's coverage of the Hopkinsville goblins. That's awesome. And then he writes, and then he wrote the transition going from the Hopkinsville goblins to my coverage of the Kashtaka. Wow. That's so cool. So you guys go back and forth like that all throughout the book. That's so awesome. And I mean, you said this started out as a project of just kind of taking the stories and repackaging them in this new yeah. way and it's transitioned into finding these themes and stuff. What is like, is there an overall theme that's kind of uh, running throughout the book or is there something uh, bigger that you've kind of seen when it's putting all these stories together and looking at them as a whole? I think, I think the overall, you could say moral of the story <laughs> is uh is really it's the cultural value of mythology yeah it's um the way the stories that we tell each other sort of drive society that's awesome yeah do you do you find that like when you're are you curating these? Is it everything you've done? Is there anything you've left out or is there anything that you're, uh, you, as you're going through these, you're like, mm, maybe not this one or. That is a great question. Um, we have decided to include every story. Um, That's awesome. Some of those decisions are harder than others because, <laughs> you know, any artist knows that like, you're not happy with everything you do, especially exactly. two years later, you know? Um, 
but some of them, some of the stories have been, have been revamped and reworked because they were written to be read out loud. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, totally. and the written form is, it's a different experience. So yeah, some of them have been revamped. They'll be a little different than what you'd hear on the show. That makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of like the artist edition of comic books, which is like one of my favorite ways to read comics. And for anyone that's not familiar, essentially it's a format of comic where usually they'll take pictures of the original artwork and present the original artwork just as a photograph without any kind of, you know, digital touch up or anything like that. So you get to just kind of see the page as it is. But as they're doing that, a lot of the times the artists will go back and touch things up and like they'll spot blacks where they didn't have blacks in there before because it was production and it was going faster. So you right. spot those in the computer. So they'll go through and like if you've seen comic book uh, pages or like animation cells, you'll see these little X's in the background and that's where like bl big flat blacks go. So they'll go through and like respot those blacks for the artist ed artist editions or or even like a lot of like one of the, the most famous versions of that this made me think of is like how Daniel Klaus or people like that will take something like Ghost World that he's publishing we are monthly, semi monthly or so in eyeball or in eyeball <laughs> in uh, eight ball. And then when he does the collected graphic novels, he's tweaking the faces from the first couple issues to make them consistent with the later issues. And like he's yeah. fixing the things that he didn't get exactly right the first time because he's grown so much as like a draftsman and a craftsperson and like, yeah, know, all that stuff. So it makes sense that you're going to adapt it to this new format so that it flows better. Have yeah, you absolutely. have you rediscovered any stories that you were like meh at first? Or like is there anything that's stuck out to you that kind of surprised you going through everything? Oh man, I there's an episode, <clears throat> excuse me, there's an episode that we had early on that that really like traumatized me covering really? it. Yeah, it was um, the possession of Michael Taylor. Okay, and it's it's incredibly brutal. Yeah, I um, remember this one, and it's uh, I can totally see why that would uh, traumatize you. Researching yeah. and writing, the whole, like living with those things, is so much different than uh, listening to them. Yeah, I um, I had like images from from the the scene in my head for like a month after. Wow covering that i mean like literally every night i would lay down to go to sleep and close my eyes and i would see that for a month yeah and it was it was like really hard to do i had never covered anything like you know i studied history and their history is filled with horror stories sure um but there was something about that case that it just it really it really stuck with me and yeah. going back and rereading that and editing it and <laughs> writing the transition, it like, it sort of, it sort of re-traumatized me. Yeah, <laughs> like, I could see that. I it, absolutely. Yeah. Like it, that story shakes me. I don't know why. I, I mean, obviously yeah. it's brutal, but like I've listened to true crime for years. Like I said, I studied history. Like I, I mean, I took like in college, I took a 16 week course just on just on events that took place in Auschwitz. 
whoa, that's pretty brutal. And yeah. that didn't affect you like this story. It that, didn't. This story did. No, it's, there's a, something about this story. It's like, it goes straight to the bone with me. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And yeah, it, and it messed with me again. Although yeah, I didn't that's... think it would. I thought like, you know, I'm just editing whatever. I don't have to sit and do research on it for two weeks. Like it won't totally. be a big deal, but it just brought all of it back. Yeah. Well, that's, it. that's fascinating. Have you like, as far as when you're putting this type of book together, are you just going the way the episodes were launched or have you played with the way that it's organized at all? Yeah. We're keeping it chronological. That makes a lot we, of sense. It was, we decided that early on just to keep it simple for us. Um, Cause there's probably an order that, that we could have done it that would have maybe supported an overall message more strongly or more thoroughly, but I felt like it was, I don't know, because the book wouldn't exist without the podcast, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's sort of like an in honor of thing where like there's <laughs> still this, this deep connection to the experience of binging the podcast. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. And like it's you spoke earlier, you know, you that you come from a music background and stuff like that makes me think of sequencing a record and how important that is, like how important that's something that like I remember when I first figured out that it was a credit that people got, like people paid other people just to sequence the album because it's yeah. so important the way that those songs are laid out. And like sometimes it's just the the most organic way is the best way and it wouldn't make sure. sense to support exactly what your uh, kind of thesis statement of the whole thing is that that's really yeah. awesome do you has it affected the way that you're approaching new topics like after writing this book like the now that you're going back and writing new episodes is it are you writing them differently now i am i uh in a big way really um because I realized going back and I'm still in the process of editing and writing, writing, but mm -hmm. I've realized, I real, I mean, I realized immediately when I went back to start editing, like this is not written for, to be read. It mm -hmm. just isn't as, I mean, I'll say, especially Ryan's stories <laughs> are not written to be read. They are written to be read aloud. Yes. Right? So um, very different experience. Yeah, it's it's and the the whole concept of the show was to sort of stand on the shoulders of generations of of people telling stories around campfires, right? Like mm -hmm. oral tradition. That was the the whole purpose. Um so I'm trying to stay true to that. I have to sort I feel now like I'm sort of straddling a line. And I've, I've come to the decision that I have to keep writing for, to be read out loud, right? That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's how the show is. That's what the show relies on that storytelling. But I have, I'm leaving notes in the margins. I'm like, as I'm writing, right? Like I'm trying to, trying to make my job easier later. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to be coming back and changing things for for the book. Because the idea is to have a book for every year of the show. 
That's awesome. So, I love that. The first one is Campfire, 52 Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. Right? That's that's the Beautiful. book. And then, you know, we can, the easy the easy thing would be if the second book was 52 more Tales of the Strange and Unsettling, <laughs> right? Like, but yeah, absolutely. However we end up doing it, I we want to have a book for every year of the show. That's so cool. And it, it makes sense. I mean, one, it provides more value to go back and have that uh, new, you know, uh, lens put to the writing and being able to rework things and whatnot. And it's, I don't know, it seems like the type of thing that the way that these stories are communicated and the value of the campfire tale and sitting down in the oral tradition and like all of that is its own magic, but taking those same things and putting them back into print and putting them back into the, the other type of writing, the writing to be read and not read aloud is also just as important. And are, are you still going to be taking the, so you have the 52 weeks, right? And then yeah. you have all, uh, have you thought about like incorporating the fireside chat sections of things or have you thought about incorporating your you know the community aspect that you guys have built with the show and everything i i want to find a way to do that so badly <laughs> i i mean i would love to take the fireside chats and find some way to put them in print um even if it were literally just written out a, a written out um transcript of mm -hmm. each interview right yeah um, that'd be awesome i i'm not sure I, i'm i'm really not sure how well that that would work um, yeah no totally but, uh, i don't know um i've also thought about i've thought about going back and doing written interviews with with everyone that we've had on the show that'd you know be really I mean? cool like, yeah having like an actual because again people speak very differently when they're typing than when they're speaking aloud yeah um, so I, <laughs> i've definitely thought about that just like a collection of interviews right totally and i i love it that'd be really cool and we've something that's so very many, we've had so many people on the show that i think provide so much value to you know to any potential audience so i i would love to to get you know to expose our audience to to them in a different format it'd be cool you could eat it'd be uh, what popped into my brain when you said that is almost like a letter section or like a stand soapbox or something like that in a comic yeah. book or like something where like you could even do a really short thing where people are, it's just like three questions with the past guest for that, you know, or something yeah. like that, that people can answer. And like, cause it's, it is interesting how like, the interviews distill the people that you're talking to in a certain way and to, to kind of further give like, you know, simplify it. Let's kind of break that down even more and just be like, all right, so we're, we're going to take the essence of these fireside chats and try and put it into this really short thing that people can just pick up and go and read. That's, that'd be super yeah. cool. Um, have you, so with writing these things and reinvesting or re opening all this stuff right like have you noticed like we've talked a lot 
in the past about how you know getting into these creative endeavors that revolve around weird stuff can spark some weird things happening in, in one's life has this new way of getting into these stories uh, inspired or sparked anything weird going on have you been been noticing any synchronicities or anything fun like that i was gonna say i since i started doing it i've been sort of because because we're sort of building this through line here, I think I'm looking at Fortiana at a, from a higher height than usual, you know, going sort of macro and <laughs> I, and I've been paying way more attention to synchronicities um, because of that. So I think that's definitely increased, definitely increased. Um, but synchronicities are like that, right? The more you look yeah. for them, the more you're going to find. Um, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but lots of, I mean, all day long, lots of little things like, um, I have a very, my house is very busy. Yeah. Right. I have five kids, a bunch of cats, two dogs. Like my wife is in and out constantly. And when she's not, you know, working, she's doing volunteer work with um, animal rescues and stuff. So she's like, it's a hectic place. My house is. Mm -hmm. And, um, so anytime I'm reading, I'm also listening to something, whether I like yeah, it or not. Totally. Right? Um, so little things like while I'm reading, I read and hear the same word at the same time, you know? Um, Abs that's so weird. It, I, yeah, no, that's yeah. happened to me a few times. That's always so weird. Yeah. That's it happens awesome. to me constantly lately. Like, wow. I mean, two or three times a day, every day, that'll happen to me wow, over the last month awesome. or so. Yeah. So that's wild. And whenever it happens, I write down whatever the word is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so, so you, you I just have together, this list of words. You should do some sort of cut and paste style thing with them at some point to yeah. uh, add into the book or something. Yeah. <laughs> something fun will come of that. I told do my you, wife I wanted to make the, have the fridge magnets made. Of all the words. <laughs> That's perfect. And just, yeah. And then just you can play with it every day and make something new out of it. I love every it. Day. I love it. Have you had, when you, and this is kind of off topic, but when you're reading like are and researching, do you still prefer like physical books? Are you still reading actual books as much as possible? When I, when I read for leisure, it's definitely physical books. Yeah. I don't like for the, I'm not a Kindle person. I don't like reading on a computer screen. I don't, I used to, I used, I used to, um, read, my wife had one of those paper white Kindles. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I was okay with that one. That one wasn't too bad, but I still miss like, I mean, it's a unique experience to hold a book, right? To turn yeah. its pages, to smell the paper, to, Absolutely. you know, dog ear the pages. I'm a page dog yeah. ear person. Um, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I, I like, <laughs> there's nothing that makes me happier than when I find a book at like a Goodwill or at mm -hmm. a rummage sale and the, and it has dog eared pages. I'm like, that's <sighs> the history of the book. This is like yes. a path that someone traveled through this adventure. 
right? All the hands it's touched and yeah. like it's so funny. Like that's I did not expect uh, or intend to go, to hit that point, but that's I was just listening to uh, Jeff Kripal on a podcast and they were talking about books and how like he was saying that you know he's to, to like fully ingest a book, it has to be a physical book because he has to doggy the yeah. pages, he has to write in the margins, and he feels yeah. bad sometimes because he's yeah. like, I love this book, but I must destroy you to like yeah. fully ingest you. And like, you. Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. And I'm like, there is something to that physical interaction with the information. Like yeah. I all day long, I'll be like, listen, I've been, I think even the last time we talked, I mentioned how I've been really into listening to comic book process stuff. Right. Yeah. And I'll realize that I'll go like six hours in a day where I've listened to all of these interviews and all of this different comic book talk. And I'm like, Oh, I should probably read a fucking comic, man. Like, right. like cause I had, you know, like I should, yeah. I pick up the thing that I'm listening to people talk about this whole time. Yeah. And like, and then I, I think about it. I'm like, man, the years and hours I've spent listening to like, whether it's paranormal stuff or philosophical or, and it's like, there's no picking it up and being like, well, yeah. do this now. Like, but like, it's, it is the type of thing that like, if you get lost in the talking about it and there's something to pick up that physical object and that, like, yeah. it's not just Reconnect the idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was that like a motivation behind doing this, like wanting that physical thing. Like, have have you yes. have you been published in a physical book before? Have you or like, is this a, a fully new process um, or a goal for you to reach? Yeah, um, I've been published in physical magazines, um, which oh, was very duh. cool. I knew for that. Me. Yeah, um, <laughs> but but being. I mean, having an actual published book mm-hmm. has been on my bucket list since I was 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, all the people I always loved and looked up to and admired when I was a kid were writers. Yeah. They, they were all authors. Um, so there's nothing, there's nothing I ever wanted more growing up than to, than to hold a copy of my own book. Right. Um, so yeah, it's that was definitely a motivation. Like I, yeah. I want to hold it. I mean, and totally. It's, this is not one of those like hundred and thirty page little paranormal books. That I mean, we're in the we're in the second round of edits right now, and it's five seventy two, five hundred and seventy two pages. It's a tone. That's. That's big in. That's big. Yeah. That's really awesome, though, and it makes sense with what you're doing. I mean, like that. Yeah. You have a lot of content going in there, so that's awesome. With the well, one before I have another question, but before I go to there, like you've probably tasted it a little bit coming from the music background, like getting a record that you've made or something along those yeah. lines. Like that's a very so like I, I it yeah exponential is is how that goes right like yes. holding that book and being that close in that edit stage, that's always like the hardest for me. Like that, like right before you can like really start, whether you're like working with a publisher or, or self publishing, like that right before it, it's birthed, you know, and like, yes. you just kind of want to, but it's so important that editing phase. And like, are you and Ryan doing it yourself? Are you working with anybody else to give you some input or how are you guys handling the actual editing part of this whole thing? We, okay, so it's sort of an interesting journey because we started out with a publisher who wanted it immediately. And then that publishing company kind of changed directions while we were finishing the book. 
and ended up dropping it because it no longer fit what they're trying to do, gotcha. which is, you know, it was disappointing, it but it was, yeah, it happens. It happens. Um, <clears throat> so what we're, the plan right now is to shop the book around for, for a predetermined amount of time. We're, we're not going to wait forever. Um, but so if we can get a deal that we like that works for us in that time period, then we'll, we'll work that way. But we're definitely this day and age, we are not afraid to self publish. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you go with like one of the big boy publishing houses, they're, bas- they're basically just going through the self publishing for you. Totally. That's what small publishing houses are doing. So, yeah. You have lots of potential to do the same. And like you guys, I mean, it's the type of thing that there's definitely infrastructures that are helpful, but it's not the only, there's a lot of avenues these days. So that's good. That's good. That's the mindset y'all have right now. The thing is we have, the podcast has a fan base. We have a a built-in following that rivals most small publishing companies that I've encountered. (laughs) Right. So like, other than going through the process for us of self-publishing, we might get a, a couple Instagram posts from them yeah, and totally. that's pretty much it. And then they'll move on to their next book. Um, <laughs> but we can, you know, we can public, we can publicize the book ourselves and do just as well better yeah. because we can talk about it all the fucking time. If we want to, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Has this got you interested in writing anything else? Like, have you, has this made you want to tackle any, like, I don't know, fictional books, novels, anything else that's got your uh, creative gear spinning? Sure. I've, I mean, like I said, I've wanted to publish a book since I was a little kid. So I'm, I'm that stereotypical writer who always has like four novels going. (laughs) That's awesome. I have been since I was a teenager. Um, so I, I honestly, I have a couple, a couple of novels that are probably one is very close to finished and the other one is probably half, halfway through. Um, but I'm like, so my, my writing process when it comes to fiction is not that you asked, but <laughs> my, no, uh, I want to know. Keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, um, my my writing process is outline and then stream of consciousness over the oh, outline. Cool, right? So, like, I I know the things that I want to happen at some mm-hmm. point, and I just let I just let my mind get there, however That's it gets awesome. there, and then the the real magic happens during editing and I'm like not one of those crybaby writers who bitch about editing all the time. I love the editing process. It's my favorite part. Like that's awesome. I I love it. I love it so much. For one thing, you get to re-experience your own writing mm-hmm. while you're and you some parts you love, some parts you hate, and you're there to you're there to scoop to trim the fat. Like yeah. you're allowed to hate parts. You just get rid of them. You know totally. what I mean? You change them. You turn yeah. them into something you love. And it's, yeah, I love that. I think there's that's some, the magical part. Of yeah. Writing. There's something to the reduction process. Like yes. there's something that like uh, uh, whittling down that, you know, really 
uh, I don't want to say like reveals the essence, but it makes it is the magic part. You're right. Like that's even yeah. with like comic books and cartooning. Like that's my favorite part of cartooning is how things can be whittled down to these very simple symbols like a you know polka dot can be an eyeball it's like how is just a dot in the right context you know represent a whole eye that's like the one of the most complex things on the planet earth and like i think editing done right can do that and that's so hard like i how are you with like killing your darlings like are you okay with just like throwing pages and like chapters on the floor and be like nope no more yep yeah i'm I'm (laughs) totally comfortable doing that i i'd never run out of things to write is the thing. I think people, I think the same people who deal with a lot of writer's block, mm-hmm. I guess people who deal with a lot of that are the same people who are very protective of their work because it's, yeah. it's it feels more precious to them, right? Like I worked so hard for this, yes. right? No, totally. I could see that. That makes but a lot like, of sense. I'm someone who can sit at my computer and write and the keyboard doesn't stop making noise for an hour. You know what I mean? Like, and the editing comes like, if you think, if you relate it to like a sculptor, right? Mm -hmm. Like the block of marble, a lot of people think is the blank page, right? But the block of marble is your first draft. (laughs) That's what it is. Before you have a first draft, you haven't even got the block of marble yet. Yeah, like yeah and the editing is where you reveal the sculpture underneath inside the block of marble right that is beautiful that makes so much sense i love that absolutely yeah. do you have like how has this process as far as you know tackling something that's that large five you know almost 600 pages and stuff like has that impacted the way that you work in general like as far as your schedule obviously like you said you have a hectic house five kids and now like taking the time to invest in that like versus your normal podcast responsibilities and everything else going on like how do you balance all that has that impacted your work life balance for lack of a better word oh yeah Definitely. It has definitely impacted it. Um, but it's all about scheduling. It's, I, I mean, I do a lot, the, like the podcast, the writing, all that, plus the kids, professional writing, like everything it's, so you have to, you have to make a schedule and stick to it. Otherwise it, it will not work. It will fall apart. You'll burn your own house down. Like so many people have so much trouble with that. Um, people will sit and make a schedule and then they ignore it. Mm-hmm. And that like that stuff drives me crazy. I'm, <laughs> I'm very anal about my schedule. Like every Sunday night I sit down and I build my like blocks of time in my schedule for the week for the next seven days. And the, but the key is following it. Like, and it is, it does get tough when some of those blocks are devoted to creative pursuits, right? Because Mm -hmm. like when you get into like a flow state and you're going and your block runs out, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you're supposed to be moving on to the next thing. It, it is hard sometimes. Um, but I honestly, I've, I've, 
developed the ability to to just shut it off when I need yeah. to. Um, but I'm confident that I can get it back. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's just like just like killing your darlings. I think like you just have to be confident in your own abilities to to get there again next time, right? Yeah. Um, no, that confidence is yeah. key and comes with the hours at the table or behind yeah. the keyboard and all of that. Like it really is. I always feel like there's this combination or this kind of middle path of finding this structure and breaking that structure that's so key for creative stuff. Like exactly building in those blocks. Mm -hmm. But if you're really feeling something, allowing yourself to go over or being able to turn it off, like there's being in is somewhat of control of something that's uncontrollable is really hard, you know? So like when you're, when you're tapped into that thing, like it is hard to shut, to, tell yourself we have to move on now but if you build your schedule right and allow yourself to have that kind of rigid flexibility then like you can really i think that's where the sweet spot comes in and being able to i don't know like the people hear that like you know rigid scheduling thing and they think it's a very uncreative task but it's actually a way more creative task to sit down and be like how can i fit all of this in in this very limited amount of time that i have and like you're being that in itself is a very creative act (laughs) yeah i mean i that for some reason reminded me of growing up playing guitar in punk bands like if you want to write a guitar solo or a bass solo you have two measures to do it (laughs) like it's not like these like these dudes playing solos in like jam bands who can just like Mm -hmm. wheedle on and on for a minute and a half like you have to make your point yes you have to get in make your point and get out in a couple measures totally Um, so yeah it's, it's a lot like that um, I think there's the, the other thing about the rigid scheduling is it's not always about creativity. Yeah. Like, of course that's, you know, that's the source of the work, but like, it's also about production. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can be, I know so many people who are wildly creative and never add anything to the world. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like you have to find a way you have to find a way to actually be productive, to take your creativity and use it. Yeah. Not just no, sit totally. back and marvel at it. You have to, it's a tool for you to use to change the world. That, yeah. You know. And there's like, you can get there. I've had the same experience. Like I've said this a bunch that I am nowhere near the most talented friend that I've had or like a, so many more talented people than myself and yeah. I've known throughout life that have done nothing because they can't get that structure at all. And they can't yeah. figure out how to organize their talents and things like that. And like, there is something to um, being able to produce and being able to produce when, because if you just show up at, whether it's a drawing table or a keyboard, like you're going to stumble cross something good eventually like you might spend like even months of just making shit but eventually you're gonna hit something that works and like once you hit that thing that works it kind of changes not only the way you view the creation process but like time you like have this new time marker and you're like okay it took that long to get here that can be doable and then 
what happens is those like little confidence boosters start happening faster and faster and you start like developing a style, you start developing a process and it starts feeling yeah. good. It starts feeling like, you know, you're it's yeah. it, all the gears start clicking in there. Right. Like that's my favorite part yep. is when you really you get something down. But then and I don't know if you find this, but and maybe this book was kind of you doing it to yourself. But I feel like after I get that system, I'll let it run for you know, sometimes it's three months, sometimes it's a year, but I'll blow that system up eventually. Eventually I'll be like, okay, I have to like completely change the way I'm working or, and sometimes it's as simple as like, I'm going to download a new set of like digital inking tools, or I'm going to buy a new brush, or I'm going to like, it can be very simple, like changing the tool that you're using, or it can be completely like, okay, I'm going to start like, generating my ideas completely differently like you can either change like i was uh, there uh, that same uh conversation i listened to with jeff kripal earlier he was talking about consciousness and how we we confuse cognitive abilities and consciousness and like there's the cell phone that is our brains that is like the cognitive thing but the cell phone doesn't work without the wi-fi and the wi-fi is consciousness and we're constantly confusing those two things right and like i feel like creativity is the same way like the 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 wi-fi that's the ideas and that's the like the thing that we're talking about like showing up for but you got to have the cell phone too which is the actual like craft or sitting behind the thousand hours of whatever it is that you're trying to do you know you can't neither of them work without the other one and sometimes i feel like we get very focused on one or the other and in the way that we make stuff yeah i mean to to build on that analogy all the those months of sitting, writing, or drawing, and getting nothing but shit, that's like, you know, your cell phone's roaming. <laughs> you just got to keep driving yeah. until you find It'll signal. It'll get there. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And it really is all part of the process. Like, it's really funny when, and I've had this experience with so many different things, but when I show people how many things that... <clears throat> excuse me, things that don't get seen that I make that lead to the thing that does get seen that I make. They're like, wait a second. That's like, what's wrong with that one? What's wrong? I was like, I, there's nothing wrong with that one. There's just, it wasn't the one, like it wasn't the thing. Like, and maybe that one will be something later. Like maybe I'll revisit and retool, but like there's something to like working through that stuff that gets you to where you and like there's no way to really put words to it but you know when it hits and you know when it's the thing that you want it to be and it's really it's really interesting to me like i know that from a visual standpoint and from like making the drawings that i make and stuff but like how does that work writing wise like how do you know when it hits like how do you know when it's there if that if that makes sense no that's a good question i I think it's just as difficult to define as, as doing visual art, right? Like it's, you really just know you (laughs) like, you just read a combination of words and you're like, damn, that's, that's the one, you know, like it's just there. And I, I get it reading other people's books too. Like you just, you read a sentence and it's like, that's like the, that's the word of God just came through that person onto the page. You know what I mean? Like totally, just, totally. Yeah. Like this, this is the universe 
the universe had to had to be in the exact alignment with this person's <laughs> like actions to create something that beautiful, you know? Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you fall as far as, uh, things along lines of like channeled text and like where, like, you know, things along, like I'm interested, there seems to be a fine line, right? Like everyone will kind of, everyone I've talked to that's a creative will kind of admit to, you're tapping into something that's a different space that's like very yeah. much can be tapped into in several different ways, but like creativity is part of the way of tapping into there. And like how, where does the line blur between that and being like, well, this is channeled information from the other, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, yes. like there's, yeah. there's a distinctive line that people draw. And obviously like you have the channelers where they're like, so this is, and this is, and like they do the yeah. whole thing and it's really fun to listen to, but it's like, oh, yeah. it, was, it all seems like it's kind of the same thing, but where do you feel like your writing falls as far as like, do you ever feel like you're just kind of tapping into something and that flow state happens or how, how, how in control of things do you feel you are? <laughs> that That's a great way to ask the question. Like <laughs> how in control do I feel? Um, I think it varies. It, it definitely varies. Um, but I, I'm certainly not channeling. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> totally. there's, there's like a performative aspect to channelers to like actual self-proclaimed, I won't say yeah. actual, but self-proclaimed channelers. Um, that, is definitely absent from my process. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe you can add that in sometime to see what the results are. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's just an exaggerated expression of what really happens when you're, when you're in the creative process. Um, yeah. I think there are definite moments where, where, when you're no matter what you're creating, there are moments where you feel like, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the the universe is speaking through you, right? Yeah. The the inspiration, because I mean, sometimes you sit down and make shit that you had no idea you were gonna make. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a problem sometimes for me. It, yeah. I'll start working on something and I'll be like, I have five other things I should be working on that's not mm -hmm. this. And this is something that I'm starting now. And realistically, if I wanted to see this through, it would be like a five month process. What am yeah. I doing with myself? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I, and earlier you mentioned that idea of like blowing up your own process and, and changing things when you need to like that, that was a big part of my life growing up because I had so many different art forms that I loved. Right. So I grew up drawing and painting and then I had music and then I had writing and then there were, you know, other things like I got really into skating for a while. And so like, I would, I would really lean into one of those things for months. Right. And then just completely change gears. And now I'm drawing all the time and now I'm writing all the time. And so I got very used to like, to blowing up your process, right? Like <laughs> blowing up, 
taking how you were spending every day of your life for the last year and just going, well, I'm going to do something completely different now. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely. But that, that, that thing where you get hit with inspiration or whatever you want to call it and you start creating something you didn't even know you were going to create. I think that it's a problem when you're, when you're trying to be productive. Yeah. Right. Like you have a schedule, (laughs) you know what you need to be doing, but you know, I like, if you're in like a, a punk band, it doesn't, you're not, it's not serving any purpose, any direct purpose to like, to sit and write like a blues song. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But sometimes you sit down and write a blues song. Totally. Just, yeah. It's just the way it is. It's, and there is, you find one of the biggest lessons you learn in any kind of further investigating into creatives whether it's punk musicians or it's comic book artists or it's directors or it's anything you find that there's a wide breadth of inspiration and the the really good ones are pulling from everywhere so even if you never see like i think about david lynch a lot because like he's constantly painting and woodworking and doing all this stuff that he never really shares or no one sees and like it's all still part of his movie making process, yeah. his storytelling process. And like Todd, I think we thing. all think about David Lynch a lot. Yeah, I think I, I, it's, it's a problem. I'll, I'll tell you. I, yeah. and, well, here's a great thing. And again, this is that this actually emphasizes the point so well because he's a dude like I think about him all the time. I consume his work very little at this point. Like I yeah. very little, like I, I'll revisit Twin Peaks more than anything. And like the, amount of time I have to revisit anything uh, as far as watching TV or movies these days is very little. So I like more than anything, I listen to him talk and he's a dude that you realize. And I think this is true for like, whether it's Bill Watterson who created Calvin and Hobbes or, you know, Didi Ramon, like people that make an impact live artfully. Their whole life is the art project. Like what they're known for is just a part of the whole. And like, that's where I'm like, Oh shit, how do you do that? Like, you know, like, like I'll sit here, I'm like, Oh cool. I'm real lucky. I get paid to draw pictures and stuff, but like, (laughs) I can't sit here and be like my, my life's a fucking art project. And like, not that like David Lynch or any of them would say that because it kind of ruins the magic, but like there's a way to live in the world and that, and I think we touched upon this last time, this antidote maybe, but there, I, uh, one of my favorite talkers and thinkers, Douglas Rushkoff, talks about it in regards to AI in the way that like there is no way to train this thing on linguistics or linguistics to make it behave well we have to train it by our actions and that's where like you know that living artfully and having your life it's all about like doing it fully and like man that's fucking hard (laughs) yeah it's very hard it's very hard right and i think like those people who are meant to who are really meant to live lives like that i feel like they don't struggle as much with it 
Yeah, you know what I mean? It's natural. Like, no. Yeah. It's but, just, yeah, it's just yeah, how their right. puzzle piece gets dropped onto the puzzle. You know what I yeah, mean? No, absolutely. Like, yeah. And yeah. it's the same thing as anything else. It's the same way some people are wired for to have more paranormal experiences. Sure. Some people are wired to like, some people are just, and like, it's so funny because you meet people. Like I know people in my life that I've known my whole, like, you know, 30 years of my life and like they have that same feeling like you can tell they're tapped into the same thing they just like deliver school lunches or they do something else like even i went to the fucking i had to get a thing to recharge my air conditioning uh unit i went down to an auto zone and had a really like pleasant interaction with this dude and as he's like finishing he's like you want to sign up for the AutoZone card and i'm like not really but if it helps you you've been so nice i'll totally sign up for it he's like no nah, dude it doesn't help me i'm just trying <laughs> i'm just trying to make people smile like what's the point yeah. if people are not smiling at it it's like that dude like that is he's doing yeah. the same thing that david lynch does he's just doing it at the auto zone on philadelphia yeah. pike <laughs> like yep. that's almost more important you know like right yeah uh, yeah yeah i I want to be like that guy, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And on the flip side of, you know, well, maybe not the flip side, maybe exactly what you're talking about. There are people who punch a time clock and sit in a cubicle for 10 hours a day, every day, and they are genuinely happy with their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just genuinely happy and content. Yeah. And it's fine. That, yeah, it and, is. And yeah, the like, the breadth of human potential is wild. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so just true. so crazy. The yeah. just the range we have as a species is mind blowing. And that's where like I think about the structures that support those different that that range and those varieties and like how culture can allow for like these different experiences of those varieties and like the structures that we have support such a narrow experience and such a narrow, like, I think that's why things like the paranormal and creativity and weirdness and imagination are so important because they widen the, the possibilities and they widen that yeah. scope of varieties there. It's, it's not about identifying or, you know, things like that. It's about like expanding the scope in general. And I, I love that that's kind of like when you get down to the, the core of what I'd imagine those like 52 weeks of, you know, stories and that 500 or 600 pages, like it's all about like sitting in that like curious worldview and that whole, like essentially that whole idea that like the whole point of all of this is to remember that like we aren't ever going to figure anything out. So that's fine. Like let's figure out how to like, you know, make make a a world that allows for these anomalous events so that we can remember how magic this whole thing is that we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's, that's just a way better version of the moral of the story that I gave at the top. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, that's i man i couldn't have planned that better i just looked up we've been doing this for an hour what a great way to uh you know that's like an alan moore style like start with the same (laughs) panel end with the same panel i love it and we very very similar to our last conversation in which uh we ended on this is all perfect it's 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 perfect um yeah i'm sure i 
I can't wait to see how your book plays into that, though. I'm so excited. I haven't read any of it. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, obviously, to, to be completely upfront, that's why we're not talking super details or anything. I can't wait. I'm so excited to dive into it. I've, I've listened to all of the episodes, obviously, but I feel like there's something that's so different about ingesting the information. And now kind of hearing more about the process that you all have been going through, I'm even more excited to uh, see this thing come come to life. Good. I'm excited for the world to consume it <laughs> for, Absolutely. for doggy or those pages. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Once it's all solidified and there's a home, mm-hmm. I think that might be the time that would be perfect to actually have you and Ryan. I'd love to talk to Ryan at some point. Maybe yeah. I can have both you on or something. And yeah, like, that would be awesome. Do, do a super fun little uh, three way conversation about everything. Cause yeah. I'd love to talk yes. more about it and see where it progresses and how it is uh, birthed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would definitely be down for that. And cool. before we go, if you're going to yes. rewatch anything from David Lynch, make it Blue Velvet. <laughs> see? Come I, on. I have to. Do you know the story of, oh man, and I'm going to kind of fuck this up probably, so forgive me, but I think it was his director of photography. It was his favorite person to work with ever for every project that he worked on up until Blue Velvet. And he came to David after like a couple months of shooting was like, I got to quit. I can't do this. I go to bed. I see these rape scenes in my mind. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's degrading me. I can't do it. And David like looks at him and he's like, if that's your path and that's your path, and that's fine. And I understand. And he's like heartbroken because this is like one of his best friends, like one of the yeah. most talented people he's ever worked with. But he's like, the idea is the only thing. And I have to stick with the idea. And even if my best friend, who's like the most talented dude is telling me that like this might not be watchable, I have to do this. But I yeah. kind of air with his director of photography and the rape scenes are too much and I can't watch it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot. It, it's, it sticks with me too much. Um, But like th- that's why like Twin Peaks is that perfect like thing for me yeah, because yeah. it tempers those things. Yeah. I'm a uh, I'm I'm kind of a wuss with those type of things. I'm no, kind of bad with like. Yeah. So one of my favorites and like when I watched it the first time i was like oh this is one of the most special things i've ever seen and then i was like it made the short list of one of the most special things i'd never seen i've ever seen that i probably only see a handful more times where like you know but yeah Yeah. highly recommend i completely agree if it wasn't for that (laughs) sure i mean it it should come with the disclaimer that the movie is it's a series of gut punches right It, it is incredibly Dennis difficult. Hopper at like the mm-hmm. best worst the yes. best as the worst <laughs> and like yes. just yes so yeah if if anybody has enjoyed Twin Peaks and hasn't gone to Blue Velvet they really should because it yeah. really is it's pushing that whole dichotomy of like the suburban very um, American dream uh shiny yeah. plastic on top with the underbelly really dirty craziness underneath that really makes it all function so yeah yeah beautiful stuff lynch he man he really does it i'm glad so one of the things that i am trying to do right now is put together a little twin peaks round table because i think it's something that like i i've been revisiting slowly so i might hit you up for that <laughs> yeah i just got very happy cool. i would be so well, into that 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. We'll we'll talk soon because I, I'm trying to do something and I think it might be a series because there's so many people that are interested. So I yeah. think I might do a couple different round tables and then I I I'm not ambitious enough to be like, let's have ten people on a podcast. <laughs> like that's just too yeah. much for me. But yeah. I feel like if I if I get like two or three people at a time and like we can all kind of talk about different takes on it, it'd be super fun. Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, totally cool well dude thank you for being here thank you for coming back and everything tell people where to find you and keep up to date with the book the podcast everything else you got going on sure you can uh follow us on all the social media platforms um instagram is the primary one but you can also follow on facebook twitter tiktok all that um but the podcast, Campfire, Tales of the Strange and Unsettling, can be found on any and all podcast platforms. Um, wherever you're listening to this, you can find us. And, uh, yeah, I'm, that's that's pretty much it. That's um, it. Wonderful. If you, <laughs> if you love uh, videos of dogs and whales, you can follow me on Instagram personally at jordan.heath. Um, Do it. But yeah, other than that. Awesome. I'll have everything linked below and we'll do this again soon, Jordan. Thank you so much for being here, man. Have a good night. Uh, thank you.